0: Y'all, Marty here, and welcome back to another Unmute. Michael, how's it going?
1: I think me coming back to these Thursday episodes is starting to turn into a more regular thing. I'm doing well, Marty, and you have a friendly guest to introduce.
0: We do. Friend of the show and super awesome person. And also, 18 years, you're going to have to talk about that. 18 years of doing her podcast. Allison from Podfeet, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, Marty. It is it is such a pleasure to come on with both of you. I've been at least texting with the two of you in some form for as long as I can remember. I mean, it, I feel like it's been a decade, but I, I haven't actually checked and gone back to see how far we've known each other. It's been a while.
0: I was a castaway. Michael was a castaway. And then at some point we contributed and to uh, Nocilla cast. And then we started our own podcast. And here we are, you know.
2: I think you introduced me, Michael, if I'm right. Uh, I have an email from you on October 12th, 2017. You uh, sent me something flies. about a, uh, a, a, it was entitled Transmitting Ducks because I, uh, I was using CyberDuck at the time. And you wanted to know if uh, you were interested. I was interested in something else. And I think you sent me a recording.
1: Yeah, that was uh, Demasi and I recording the DM series on our old show. And uh, I was talking to you about checking out Transmit, I think. Thing. oh was
2: That's it that, that okay let's see and marty i go back as far let's see that might be marty did you write to me about circus ponies maybe no that possibly might
0: somebody else. i might i can't remember god but everyone on my
2: show blames you for the money you make them spent that all of us bought the elgato wave xlr after you did a review for the no Silicast on that yeah and everyone still has it oh yeah i mean i i love this thing i bought one for my husband uh, i mean everybody's got one everybody says marty spent my money. Yeah.
0: Well, sometimes less is more. You don't always have to go out and buy the giantest,
2: largest thing with all the buttons in the world on it, you know? Well, that's what I wanted was something with far fewer buttons. I wanted... wanted, In fact, this has one more feature than I'd like. I would like it to have one fewer feature.
0: Well, actually, the main thing that you love the most about that is that the XLR cable jack and the headphone jack were on the back of the device which was something you really really wanted and no other
2: device had that yeah why do i want it coming out onto my desk why would i ever want that ever ever Mm, ever. never
0: yeah and still it's hardly ever do you see the ports on the back of the device
1: yeah allison let's let's go back to the beginning marty mentioned 18 years which is awesome uh what can you tell us about the beginning of podcasting and, and how things were like podcasting
2: then? Oh, that's that's a fun story. Um, so podcasting started in October of 2004, and I started in the middle of May in 2005. And uh, it, part of the reason I, I brag so much about the 18 years is it's not just that I've been doing it for 18 years. I haven't missed a weekly show in uh, eighteen years now, there's there's a little asterisk on that. I got I got to admit to you guys. I, I, there, see, I said, guys, I, I have to admit to you and your audience that uh, there's a little asterisk. I did four episodes, and then I pod faded. And a guy named Neil wrote to me. Neil from uh, Florida wrote to me and said, "Hey, where's the podcast?" And that's when I found out somebody was listening. And I came back, and, and since then, I have not missed an episode. So it's actually a few weeks after the beginning of the show, but. Uh, but if you back up to the very beginning, um, uh, Leo Laporte was on the radio here, and then he started a podcast, and I was I was hooked on that. And uh, so I had to figure out this thing called the RSS feed, which for uh, people who don't know, it's a small text file that identifies exactly everything about the show that's gotten delivered to you. So it's an RSS file like you would read uh, in a, in an RSS reader. Um, But it defines an attachment. And the attachment for an audio podcast is likely an MP3, maybe an M4A if you're getting kind of wacky. And the, uh, the way I figured out how to do a podcast was I downloaded Leo's RSS feed, which was this giant text file, and I figured out what all the pieces meant. And I built my own, literally typing it from scratch. And so I was, I was typing in, okay, it says title. Okay, that's probably the title of the episode. Okay, let me type that in, you know. And then it got to uh, the attachment and I was completely baffled because it said length equals and it was this really long number. And I sat there looking at this number. I mean, it had just a ton of digits and I couldn't figure out what it was. It was the number of bytes in the file. Uh-huh. And it took me the longest time to figure that out but I, I was I was very happy when Steve Harris uh started uh the the app re, uh, from reinvented software he has an app called Feeder which does all of this automatically uh for me now and I've been using that ever since I I don't even remember how far back it goes but it was really shortly after I got started but yeah we used we used basically a stone and a and a chisel back then
0: <laughs> I would love to know what the setup you had when you first started podcasting and over the years to what you ended up now, because I know how much you care about sound. So if you go back to the beginning, what was it like when you first said, Hey, I'm going to do a podcast. And how did you decide what to buy and get going with it? And then over the years, I'm sure it's changed a lot.
2: Oh man, you should have, I, I could have come out with like probably photos of it, of uh, where it came from, of what I started with. I'm pretty sure I had the uh, titanium power book when I started um, and a simple USB mic. I don't, I don't remember which one it was. It's. I'm sure I've written about it because one of the interesting things about my podcast is every single thing you hear me say is also a blog post. Everything you hear me say on the podcast. So it's um it's got. Uh, I've got zillions of of blog posts over the years, and anytime I can't remember anything, I know I've already written it down. So it's in it's in here somewhere if I could find it. Um, but I did do the classic thing of upgrading uh, a few times on microphones. I didn't take a lot of steps because my my husband Steve is a huge supporter of the podcast and absolutely could not do it without him. I mean, he does all of the cooking. He does all of the laundry. He does all the grocery shopping. It's part of why I'm able to do this. And he also likes buying me toys. So I bought a Heil PR 20 at one point, and then he upgraded me to a Heil PR 40, which is why he has a Heil PR 20 now. And this Heil PR 40 has been running absolutely forever. Um, I've gone through a few interfaces. We were we were talking uh, uh, during the pre-show. Marty did the review for my show for the uh, Elgato Wave XLR, and uh, that is a beautiful little interface. That's just got it's got one USB cable, and and uh, the XLR goes in the back, and it's got a big button on the front that you switch between the mic and the headphones to turn it up and down. And most importantly, you tap the top of it and it mutes and unmutes. And uh, that is my favorite device I've gone through. Like I had a mixer at one point where this guy, Victor Kahiyawa was really into audio. He came to my house and he set it up and had so many dials and sliders. I mean, you know, the housekeeper came through and all of a sudden you couldn't hear me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I actually ditched that for Audio Hijack. And uh, ironically, Audio Hijack, I have something set wrong, uh, is not working for me at this exact moment. But Audio Hijack is, is uh, software that allows you to do routing very much like a mixer would, but it's all done in software. And when I got that, I was like, yep, that's the end of that mixer. And that was the last day I ever looked at that.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Crazy how things change over time.
2: One of my fun stories to tell, by the way, is I've taught not one, but two people how to use uh, Audio Hijack who are blind. And one of them is Damase.
1: Mm. (laughs) So that's where he got all of his knowledge from. I'm pretty sure he's told me that before, but he's who I go to when I need help with loopback or audio hijack. And I love what Rogamira has
2: done with their software and voiceover, for sure. Oh, they just, I mean, it's it's foundational to what they do. It's not even, it's nowhere near an afterthought. It is the basis of the way they work now.
1: Sometimes I wish Apple would actually, uh, I don't know, uh, observe what they've done with voiceover and the interactions and make that possible throughout the operating system too.
0: Something really um, cool that they did recently is they have a piece of software that's digital that allows you to virtually have the triggers where you can activate a sound and it will put it into your recording. So you can have you know, people applause or horns or whatever you want. You can just load the triggers up with whatever you want. Now, at one point, I got a uh, stream deck because it's all triggers. And yeah. you, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be so much easier to be able to activate things you know, really quickly on the fly just because you have the buttons right there. And the problem that uh, I had with it was that the software is not accessible at all. So the device became completely useless to me. I couldn't really do anything with it. And so now what those guys did was they made this software and they made it so it's accessible and that it works with the Stream Deck. To be so, clear, you're talking about Farago that uh, that Rogamiba make? Exactly. That's exactly... I could not think of the name of the software, but that's exactly
2: what it I is. I cheated. I looked it up. you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Rogue Amoeba made Farago work with the Stream Deck? Yeah, just in this last oh.
0: update, they redesigned the software and put out a new version of it. And one of the features is that it works with a Stream Deck now. So you, oh, you can
1: trigger nice. your sound effects with the Stream Deck, which gives you tactile buttons you can feel. Because the Stream Deck software is not accessible uh, with voiceover and intuitive. So um, I ended up with Marty's Stream Deck, and we've been playing with Bitfocus
2: Another uh, th- have you looked at uh, Better Touch Tool with Stream Deck? Because I know people have completely replaced the Stream Deck interface with Better Touch Tool. So if that's accessible, that might be a better way for you to actually use the Stream Deck. Like I they like build all the buttons with Better Touch Tool. I will yeah, play and that. of course,
0: I don't have a Stream Deck anymore because <clears throat> Michael has it. So oh. <laughs> you're going to have to test that
2: out and see if it works. The um There was something else I wanted to tell you. Oh, one of my uh, favorite things, is I just love Rogue Amoeba so much. I was on uh, ACB radio and uh, we were talking about uh, how the accessibility of the Rogue Amoeba software. And I brought up one of my favorite things is that when uh, you enter your license key, they throw confetti on the screen. And as I'm describing it, I realized, oh my gosh, you guys don't get to see the confetti. It should really make some sound. And so I wrote to Paul Kafasis, the CEO of of Rogue Amoeba. And I said, why doesn't it make sound for the blind people? What's wrong with you? And he wrote back, he's like, oh my God, you're right. I should do that. And then he forgot about it for a really long time. But that turned out even more funny because he wrote this fabulous blog post referring to me telling him about this idea and how he forgot to do it. And so it became this like amplified message that they have now put it in. You hear applause and happiness when, uh, when you enter your license key. That that's is awesome. awesome. So you mentioned you started on a power book. I I think that's what you said. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um your show has an ever so slight Apple bias. And I think that's uh what, what attracted Marty and myself in the beginning because I started using so my first experience was an Apple IIe. My school was cleaning them out. Uh, I I am young. I'm only 35. So my school was cleaning out their Apple IIe's. And they said, Michael, do you want this? And we had an extra Echo, which was a external hardware synthesizer that you can attach to the Apple IIe. And so I said, yeah, let's let's, uh, take that home and I'll play with it. I don't remember what happened to it. But I went to Windows and then I switched over to a MacBook in 2006 with Tiger because that's when voiceover came. Onto the Mac. And I've been off and on. I always come back to the Mac, although I do really I, I play in both worlds, but I find it interesting that you're an Apple centric podcast that uh, reviews and talks about accessibility importance. Can you share a little bit about how those discussions come up? Because you're not only about accessibility, and that's what I really like.
0: No, but I will say though, you it's in your DNA, and I know this because. I saw a very funny post from you just a couple of days ago where you were wearing a clockwise T-shirt, but you explained, oh, I have my clockwise t-shirt and I'm got short curly hair with glasses. And I was like, see, it's in your DNA. You explain <laughs> everything so that
2: even if someone couldn't see, they get an idea of what it is you're showing off, you know? So you talk about in the alt tags. I like to throw in Easter eggs for you sometimes too. Not, not super often, but every month I'll just do something goofy. But you know, what? this is a problem with Mastodon. With Mastodon, it makes it obvious that there's alt tags and now the sightlings are reading the alt tags. So they're not secret Easter eggs for you guys anymore. They're, their regular, you know, sightlings can see it too. I was kind of disappointed because I had a, a kind of a riddle going, except I had to explain it the the image. I'd explain it in alt tags, and then everybody just read the alt tags, and they figured out what I was talking about. I was kind of sad, but it, it is that is my way of saying it's really great that alt tags are front and center in uh, Mastodon. Um, Definitely. In, in answer to your question, in, when I was eleven years old. I read the book, Follow My Leader by James B. Garfield. And it's a story of a little boy who's uh, playing with fireworks with some friends and he's blinded. And he uh, ends up uh, learning Braille. He ends up getting a seeing eye dog. Um, he goes to a, to a blind school where he learns how to navigate with cane. And I was fascinated by this. And on page 46, 47 and 48, they showed the Braille alphabet. I happen to know that because I'm holding the book in my hand as I, as I'm telling you this. And I was fascinated by this, so I went and got a piece of cardboard and a punch, and I made myself a braille card and so it's like you say in my dna i i I was like, "Well this is like a secret code. I want to learn this too you know and and so i've I've always been interested in assistive tech, you know it just seems like a fun there's so much fun to be had so when I started um doing the podcast, I realized that I got a lot of feedback from people who said, by the way, I'm blind. And I started realizing that I had a lot of blind friends now because of the podcast and then started learning about, you know, hearing about voiceover and what it meant. And um, so in, uh, let me see, I brought the video up and I can give you these links if people are interested in 2012. I did a tech talk at Macworld up in San Francisco and I did it blindfolded.
0: Ooh, and, I remember this.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, so I, taught myself voiceover on the, on the iPhone and then on the Mac. And it was uh, the iPhone's like super easy, right? You just slide your finger around, double yep. tap everything, you know, it either works or doesn't. There's not that much to it. The Mac's really hard though. It's really hard. <laughs> I know it's a
0: deterrent. A lot of people who are losing their vision or who have lost their vision they stream to the iPad or to the iPhone because not only do you have to learn how to use the Mac, but then you also have to learn how to use voiceover. And for some people, it's just too much. They're not techie people and it's overwhelming and it's too overwhelming.
2: Well, I think there's, there's just so much variability on the Mac. Um, it, when I did my presentation, I nailed it on the phone. I did. I had, I, and I practiced it, this, this thing probably 400 times. I mean, I've, I had a very narrow set of things I was going to do. I was going to create a calendar invite and I had a specific person I was going to invite. And I got and it executed perfectly, but I did the one thing you should never do right before a presentation. I changed something. Oh. I, decided literally right before I went on stage that it would be easier to open the, uh, the keynote presentation if I had it on my desktop and I got it stuck to my cursor and I couldn't get it off. I don't know. I I still don't know what I did, but every, no matter what I did, it was just like opening, closing, opening and closing, opening. It was like, like somebody with glue on their foot stuck spinning around in a circle. And, uh, my husband kind of yelled at one point because I was starting to just open random things. We're just opening up my screen. He was like, you know, you might open some personal documents here. Uh, So sadly, I did have to take the blindfold off for a minute or two, and then I put it back on for the rest of it. But it was it was really fun to exercise my brain and try to learn it to where I could actually execute some maneuvers that turned into now that i know and i would put me you as know, like a low intermediate like i'm not maybe i'm a little above bunny slope but i'm 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 pretty low on 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 the skill set but i can look at a an app that i'm reviewing and i can very quickly tell you it's not accessible whether it's goodly accessible is another, is another story. You know, I don't know how to do a lot of the trickier stuff, never understood what the rotor is to this day, but, uh, I can, I can tell if the buttons are labeled, I can tell if you can open menus or if somebody's done something stupid and done something with a graphic. And, um, I love doing that because I can tell you whether you should waste your money on it. You know, should you even look at it? But I also then will just shoot a note off to the developers to find out if, uh, Uh, if they can fix those things, because a lot of times they're close, but they're just missing some fundamental piece. And uh, a perfect example, I did a review of an app called Hush that removes uh, background noise. And uh, it's an amazing app by Ian Sampson. And uh, I realized that it had a drag and drop interface. You had to drag your file into the center of the screen. I thought, well, how the heck would you do that? It's, it's probably hard in voiceover. So I I went on Mastodon and I asked people and a bunch of people said, yeah, that's a real pain. It doesn't work very well. So I wrote to Ian and he said, oh, this is great feedback. I'm going to work on this. I have a couple other people who know voiceover helping me. And just a couple of days ago, he sent me a new version and said, okay, I've got the drag and drop part working. It's not all working right yet, but he actually changed his software because I knew enough to just ask and say, hey, can you fix that?
0: We had, uh, we were helping uh, someone just uh, yesterday, actually, and it was a Slack thing. And he had downloaded the Slack DMG. We got him to open up the DMG, and then he went he said the same exact thing. It is so hard to drag and drop, you know, with Voiceover. And what we ended up saying was, well, once you get the DMG open, and you get to the thing where it says drag the app to the Applications folder. Just copy and paste it. And Hmm. he went, Oh, that's much easier. So you could copy and paste it if you ever. We should give him a
2: shout out. That's Ed Howland, who's a uh, a castaway. He's uh, super into our Programming by Stealth podcast, which is one of the shows I do. Um, and, uh, he's been super helpful, great nerd, man. He's, he's real nerdy. He's awesome. But he was really struggling with that piece of it. You know, I just think of something, he could have just opened the terminal and said, uh, you know, move through install
1: Slack too. We, we talked about that after oh. we went through everything and, and we're like, yeah, we could have just did that too. Um, oh, and Marty, he did that. get Slack working and it did get opened. He had to to uh, enter a code or click a link or something that Slack wanted him to do. But that screen to tell him that wasn't uh, reading very well. And that's where sometimes um, accessibility, just making a slight change or, or uh, making some alteration can make your app accessible or your tool accessible to anyone. Right. And that That fixing it starts with the conversation with the app developers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the nice thing is I've never had anybody just go no, right? Everybody I've talked to has gone. You know, at worst case they go, well, I'll think about it. But uh, I never get anybody who just says no. People seem to to be interested in making their app better. And one of the reasons I did um, uh, I did a talk at the Podcast Expo. It was Blog World Podcast Expo at the time, and my talk was how to increase your audience size through accessibility. And because uh, that's where I look at it is, why would you want to put up a wall that keeps anybody out from listening to you, what you're or reading what your your content is? That doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah,
0: but yeah, you're right. It was Ed, and he was an awesome guy. We had a lot of fun with him. He was uh, great. Good. So we'll keep in touch. We got his info, and so uh, you know we let him know if you ever need anything to let us know, and we'll do what we can to help him out. So yeah,
2: I really he's a great appreciate guy. you guys yeah. uh, hooking up with him and and helping him. Now you did that through Zoom. Yep. That's well, actually,
0: I cheated a little because he did email me his phone number and I called him first. Okay. And then once I talked to him for about 15, 20 minutes and kind of got the lay of the land a little bit, and then uh, we got him in Zoom and got him sorted out the rest of the way from there.
2: Okay. And so- you Zoom so that you could hear voiceover? Yes. So what we
1: did, in the, and I'm going to tell you what we did and what we can do in the future because of a new tool that I uh, keep meaning to send you, but we'll tell you about it now. Uh, so what we did with Zoom is he had headphones not plugged in so we could hear voiceover. And what voiceover was saying, which is an advantage to using a screen reader, is you can troubleshoot over the phone. And then we took, directed him with the keystrokes for what you needed to do to go to the places to, to do it. And it's just complete. Hands off, um, use your keyboard, don't use a mouse. And we were able to help copy the file over and stuff like that. Um, That works. And for the longest time, remote desktop access to be able to remotely control his computer, just using as an example, and we did not do that uh, yesterday, uh, has been not obtainable for a completely blind individual using voiceover over the time that voiceover has been a thing. So there's a new app from uh, Numa Solutions called REM, and you can get it getrem.app. And what that will let you do is, as a completely blind person, you on a Mac or Windows can remotely access someone else's computer. And it doesn't matter if they have a screen reader on or not because it comes with its own screen reader. So it works like TeamViewer, except for instead of you using TeamViewer, you're using RIM so you can control that person's computer. And that's another way to help people' with troubleshooting if they have access technology needs.
2: Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah uh, one of the things uh, I did a, a blog post about listing all of the what I consider interesting audio hijack sessions that I've created to solve interesting problems. And uh, one of them, I worked out for a conversation with um, Shelly Brisbane to allow two people to have a conversation in at the time it was Skype where both of us could hear each other's uh, each other's uh, voiceover. So she was demonstrating things in voiceover and I was able to hear voiceover through the, you know, I was able to record our conversation with the full digital high quality audio of voiceover along with her voice. Mm, That's awesome. I should send you guys that session. Yeah, that'd be cool. I got to find it.
0: So here is a question for you, since you, you know, look at apps and test them for accessibility and things like that someone who is going through the app store looking for an app, or maybe someone recommends something, what would be you think the best way for someone to determine whether there's an app, and this could be on the Mac or iPhone, iPad, whatever, uh, that works or doesn't work with voiceover? (laughs) And one other thing. Trick question. Uh, I, I have my own opinion, but I'll ask you first of what you think could be improved in the future so that people would know whether it, the app that they're trying to uh, download install
2: will or will not work with voiceover. But I want to hear what you have to say. Two very different questions. The answer I would probably give, and I don't know if this is a good answer, but in my experience, I have seen that Apple Viz tends to review software on whether it's accessible. So I send people to Apple Viz. If it's not there, I don't know what to tell them. Um, is that a bad answer?
0: No, that's a good answer.
2: Okay. Um, the, as far as the other thing, you know, if you'd have to come out with a standardized rating system that that people had to pass a certain level of test with their app to get it uh, some sort of number, right? To be able to say, because there's accessible and there's, yeah, that's kind of accessible. And there's really accessible with, you know, the rogue amoebas at the top uh, and other apps a little bit lower down. So I would think it'd be almost like a safety rating of, you know, you get a 7 out of 10, I don't. I don't see how you yeah. do it otherwise, because the developer could go, yeah, yeah, it's accessible. I, I didn't break the API when it said to leave it alone, and it would be accessible. And
0: uh, so, and developers if, who are really on their game and who really pay attention to that, they uh, take the extra time, and in the description of their app, they say it works with VoiceOver. Not everybody does that. Few people do that. But I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. There there are uh, some that do it. It's not real popular, but those who do it, it's much appreciated. I will definitely say. Um, what I thought what would be really cool, and I, a lot, I've talked about a lot of people with this, and they've always had kickback because they say the process would take too long to get it approved. But adding a space somewhere in all of the things that they put you know, in the App Store... Does it work with voiceover? Yes or no. You know, I mean, then you would at least know r- straight away whether it does or it doesn't. But yeah, but from- that isn't there isn't a yes
2: or no answer. It's a gradient, right?
0: Yeah,
1: well, because it could
0: work with voiceover,
1: but none of the buttons are labeled. But because voiceover has the image recognition, voiceover can recognize all those images. But is that app accessible then?
2: Yeah, I mean, let's give the, the hush example, since Ian is open minded in fixing it, is Sure, all his buttons were labeled. They're all great. You just couldn't use the app because you you know with that, you could if you were really good at this you know figure out how to do it. But I, I wouldn't have called it accessible even though all the buttons were labeled. But but he may have looked at it and thought it was accessible because he didn't know that that piece wouldn't work easily. So that's why I think it's a continuum, Marty.
0: Yeah. They also say a lot of people um, that the process to approve the app would just take way too much resources. And so that's why they don't do it.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you'd have to invent a way to do that. And I don't know how, how you would do that, but it seems like a reasonable goal. I would think so. But and yeah. there, I mean, there's also uh, we can't forget things like color contrast for people, too. You know, that would be a, a thing. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of other accessibilities.
0: You know, you could go down a whole rabbit hole. So maybe that's why they don't do it.
2: I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, that's a good, a good thought, though. I would definitely support trying.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would, uh, I would second you on that.
1: So I have an easy but maybe hard question for you, Allison, to transition. In your 18 years of not missing a week of podcasting, uh, what would you say has been the most unique opportunity podcasting has presented you with?
2: I did a talk at uh, Macstock a few years ago that I, I called it a uh, make-your-own-adventure game. And it, I was really proud of this. I figured out that in Keynote, you can add buttons to a slide that change to a different number of slides. So like on on slide one, you could have a button that takes you right to slide 32. Oh, that's- so I uh I I put five pictures in the middle of the screen uh, middle of the first page and depending on which one the audience selected it would take you on an adventure through a bunch of slides showing you how I ended up standing in front of them or how how a certain event occurred so for example one of them was a picture of a total eclipse of the sun so mm. if you press that button it always started with Allison picked up a microphone that's the first slide in every one but the way I end up having a, uh, uh, seeing a total eclipse of the sun is a different path through the slides than how, for example, I got to know Rod Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's son, maker of Star Trek. So it was, uh, I, I like that's that set of slides because it, it kind of described a lot of what opened up in my life because of podcasting, all because I picked up a microphone. Um, the, the total eclipse one, for example, was, um, I was on the Mac round table and on the Mac round table was Don McAllister, got to know Don McAllister, started working screencasts online for him. I do uh, video screencasts for for his tutorial service. And then through him, he recommended me to be one of the speakers on a Mac uh, mania cruise in Australia to see a total eclipse of the sun. Where, oh that would
0: be awesome I'd love to go on a cruise like that.
2: Yeah, it was really cool. They stopped doing them unfortunately when when Macworld fell apart. It was Macworld sponsored, but it was uh uh during the day when there was nothing to do on the ship, you know, we, we don't gamble or anything like that. So during that time they had we had classes. And uh then when we would go ashore and go snorkeling or scuba diving or whatever it was, we would we would all disband and go do that. And then you'd come back and go back to class again. And uh, I absolutely loved it, but they made me do nine, no, eight 90 minute talks on that. Whoa, cruise. that's a Un- lot. Unique talks. That's insane. I mean, uh, well, Doc, you accepted it and you obviously did it, right? Well, I got a free cruise to see a total eclipse. Of course I said, yes. And, and I would do it again, but I mean, I, I had to start working on those slides in, in February and the, and the thing was in October, Um, I remember being so stressed out. A friend of mine went shopping for clothes for me because I needed new clothes and I just literally had no time for, for seven months. But, uh, uh, Don told, told, uh, Neil, the guy that ran it, he said, don't ever do that to anybody ever again. I mean, it was too hard. Um, Mm -hmm. but that, that was certainly a big event, um, But again, if you go, Allison picked up a microphone, ended up on on the Mac roundtable. On the Mac roundtable was uh, Adam Christensen, who I believe is the first Apple podcaster, and he's still going. So he's been going longer than I have, but he misses a lot of episodes. So uh, anyway, uh, he uh, was at the sale of one of the new iPhones. I don't remember which one Call it iPhone 4. And uh, he was in line and a guy overheard his voice and came running up to him and said, oh my God, I love your show. Let me introduce myself. My name's uh, Rod Roddenberry. And uh, so he's like, you know, Adam's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And Adam says, or Rod says, look, I, I listen to all the Mac podcasts. I love all of them. They're all great. Invite all of them, ev- all of the podcasters. I want them to be my guest at the screening of the new Star Trek reboot. And we're going to do it on uh, Catalina Island off the coast of Los Angeles. Mm. So, uh, I was invited David Sparks, um, uh, Victor Cahiao, uh, Adam. None of them came except for me and Steve, my husband, Steve, and Don McAllister flew over from England to go to it. <laughs> It's like, you guys live in an orange County. I mean, it's like a 20 minute drive to the Harbor to get on the boat to go over to the, to the Island. So it was ridiculous that they didn't go, but we ended up getting out to hang out with Rod. I ended up getting him on my show. He is a lovely, lovely young man. He's he's just absolutely delightful. And then, um, at MacWorld, I ended up having, I used to do a, have a party for the Nocella castaways, a cocktail party, uh, at a place next to the, uh, to the theater there. And, uh, he, I invited him to come and he not only showed up, we had set up a, uh, so everybody was thrilled to get to meet him because, you know, minor celebrity and all that but, you know, big celebrity in our nerd world. He, uh, we had set up a, a laptop with a, um, with a camera on it and had an open Skype session for people to call in who couldn't be at the event. And Rod spent 45 minutes talking to those people.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
2: Just yeah, it's just, you know, so those are those are the kind of things that just happened because I picked up a microphone.
0: You've made it lots of friends doing um, your podcast from all over the place. And I think that's pretty cool. You're such a people person. So I would I don't probably know my say own neighbors.
2: That... I'm serious. I know. I know the names of the people directly across from me on either side. And I don't know anyone else on my block. Hmm. But I know people across the world. I I can relate to that.
1: I don't know any of my neighbors. I don't even know their names.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that requires talking in person, like going to a party or something. I don't know. It doesn't sound right. By the way, I should uh, qualify my statement about 18 years without missing an episode. The show has not missed an episode, but people stand in for me when I go on crazy vacations, like going to Australia for a total eclipse or when I went to Antarctica recently. Uh, Bart Bouchotts from England, from Ireland. Oops, he's going to kill me for that. And uh, uh, Alistair Jenks from New Zealand are uh, probably the primary suspects who uh, carry the load when I'm gone. And it's uh, so I can't take full credit for it. it. It takes the support of everyone.
0: But now with all this new technology we have out there, we can just make a virtual you while you're gone
2: and make like it's your podcast. And it's I, really you. I did that. <laughs> I had, uh, I lose my voice uh, pretty much once a year or so, sometimes twice. And uh, in February, March, I lost it just continuously. I mean, it just was not coming back and it was getting worse. And so I went back through a bunch of episodes and I um, I taught 11labs.io my voice. And since I script everything, I was able to have 11labs.io read my podcast for me that week.
0: And it seems that it happens always around the beginning of the year kind of thing with that lose your voice thing.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking I should go back through my through my podcast, uh, through my scripts to see how often I say it and what month it is. Maybe I could just prepare for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you have 11 labs just playing. Yep,
1: you're going to record my podcast for me. Because, you know, I tell people with this AI and technology that we are right now, we are at the worst that it will ever be, which means it's going to just improve from here on. I don't remember who said that, but it's something that's just stuck with me. This is the worst. Oh, Michael, that's
2: yeah. That's fabulous. This is the worst it'll ever be.
0: Yeah, he, without telling me, made a virtual me like it was him and I, and (laughs) it was pretty
2: funny. That's awesome.
0: So you had a book you
2: wanted to talk about. Oh, I did already. That was Follow My Leader. Ah, there we go. uh, When I was a little kid. Cool. I I recommend it. Uh, We'll have to see if that's uh, around anywhere still to get it. Yeah, it was written in 1955. (laughs) I'm mm. old. Uh, I think there was a reprint. I actually don't have my original copy. I, I I talked about it to a friend of mine, and she went and found me uh, a used copy of it from, uh, let's see, 1985, which is now what is that, 40 years ago. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, it was a, it's a fun you know young adult book. But uh, okay. and I what what should I learn beyond what I can do now? Like, do I really need to learn that rotor thing to be helpful to y'all when I'm trying to review something? Or can I just keep skipping learning that?
0: You probably can get away with not um, learning it. It's a lot of people customize it because people who don't know how to use the rotor real well, sometimes they'll do something and then all of a sudden it will speed up their voiceover and it's all of a sudden talking really, really fast and they don't know how to fix it. <laughs> or it'll turn the volume up on their voiceover because the volume for voiceovers is the same as everything else. It's a separate volume. So you can actually turn up or down the volume on voiceover by itself, Siri, yeah. you know, and the same with the whole phone. So I tell people if they have issues with those to remove it off the rotor so they don't continue to turn the volume way up loud or way down low or Ah. speed up the voice. But I also will tell you, they've changed it a little bit where you can go in now and you can customize the rotor so that you can do a different gesture than trying to take two fingers and turn your phone like all weird, you know, in a circle. You can do like two fingers and swipe right or left and it will go through the rotor. So there are ways that they've made it easier to use now, but people still don't like it. It's not the easiest thing to figure out.
1: So I guess... My question for you, Allison, is what is it about the rotor that you don't understand? Is it the concept of using the rotor to change the granularity of navigation, or is it actually doing the rotor gesture?
2: I don't even know how to turn it on.
1: Okay, so the rotor (laughs) is always on by default when voiceover is there. You always have things in the rotor. And so, as Marty was saying, you can change the gesture to change between the rotor um, and, and I know that's probably making it a little confusing, but uh, so for, for example, you can navigate by character word or line by flicking up or down with one finger with voiceover.
2: Wait, are we on the Mac or the iPhone?
1: This is on both, but we're talking about the iPhone right now.
2: Okay. Cause I, I mostly use voiceover on the Mac cause that's oh. where I'm usually testing apps. Okay.
1: Okay. Well then you don't need to worry about the rotor on the Mac. Okay, Simple good. As that. Yeah. If you're thinking <laughs> about the iPhone, it's more advantageous to learn about. But the rotor, I think you can. So, so the rotor is when you press VOU, like uniform. I don't know if you've ever done that. But that brings up a list of all the links on a page. Or you can tap your right arrow. And that'll give you all the headings on a page or all the controls on a page. So you can get those all in a list view while using voiceover. And that's what the rotor is, is you're just changing between what am I going to navigate when I'm using up and down arrow keys after I press VO plus U.
2: So is that mostly for navigating the web or does that yes. work inside of apps?
1: That That is mostly in the web. But as you know, a lot of times apps can also pretend like they're fake web pages too, which means it okay. can work that way inside the okay. app as well. But its if main you, function
2: would be on on uh, in, the, in the web.
1: Yes. Yep. If you were to want to... So I think you're doing a great job with how you explain things with voiceover. If there was one thing on the Mac that I would tell you that could help either make you more productive with voiceover on the Mac or help you with uh, my favorite thing, which is automation on the Mac while using voiceover Uh, spend some time in the voiceover utility with VO plus F eight after voiceover is enabled and then go down to commanders. And I believe I'm doing it right now. So I can make sure to tell you the correct keystroke because I'm all about keystrokes command eight will actually take you to the commanders tab inside there. And then you can use, uh, you have three different commanders. And I recommend looking at the numpad commander because with numpad, if you have a numpad, you have access to putting all of the buttons on your numpad to perform different actions while running voiceover. But there's also a a dropdown. What was that?
2: I don't have a numpad.
1: Oh, okay, then never mind. Ignore me.
2: Dude, <laughs> I was writing all these great notes I was, down. I to-
1: was gonna say because what you can do is go in and trigger shortcuts or trigger automations just from your numpad just by hitting it. And then you have modifiers because you can use control option command shift and zero as different modifiers. So you have six different levels of commanders you can use from the numpad. What's a commander? So commander is, um, we'll use it in, in reference that you can relate to without a number pad. In this same section under here, if you choose keyboard commander or trackpad, but we'll say keyboard commander, and you turn that on, when you hold the right option key down specifically, and you can pick what that key is, but we'll say the right option key and tap the letter S with voiceover by default, this opens Safari, or tap the letter M, this will open mail. But you'll see on here, you can pick all your letters, and then there's a drop-down with hundreds of different actions you can make voiceover do. Including, for example, uh, if you wanted to, you could have voiceover turn on or off its visuals with the commander. You can uh, explore different parts of the screen. But under command, custom commands, there's an option that says run automator utility. You can run shortcuts. And so commander is do one thing with voiceover and a modifier to do something else, either in voiceover or in Mac OS. So
2: I have to say the one, uh, one thing that stops me in my tracks is when there's hundreds of things you can do. I need there to be like three <laughs> that I can learn. So. <laughs> I
1: get it. Yes. So well, like, it I, let me give you
2: a couple of things that might make using voiceover
0: a little bit easier. Okay. The first one, and a lot of people don't actually realize this, but when you're using voiceover and you're navigating around, there's what's called the VO keys and that's uh control and option. And then right. if you use the arrows, you know, you navigate around and mm-hmm. if you use those two keys and the space bar it's uh, that right now it gets a little crazy when you got to then interact and uninteract because now you're trying to do finger twister game when you're trying to do all that. So you can use
2: the caps locks key in place of the control. And no, 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 no. I believe in the caps lock key as, as uh nature intended I learned well, to type <laughs> when I was in sixth grade, and you will never pry that caps lock key out of my cold, dead fingers.
0: No, it helps you in the voiceover because it takes away those two keys. So when you go to interact, you just do caps lock shift and down arrow. But and then when you I want don't to get... have
2: caps lock anymore. Yes, you I do. It's use... still there. How do, you, how do you type NASA?
0: You just type NASA. I mean, it doesn't take no. away this. Sp- it doesn't change anything.
1: So you're missing an important part, Marty. You, instead of just pressing capsock once, double press it. So capsock, capsock, and then you type NASA, capsock, capsock,
0: turns it off. There you go. (laughs) The other thing I was going to say was uh, (laughs) you could use your trackpad. If you use your trackpad, then it's swiping like on your iPhone and you can do it that way. So a lot of people who have issues with being able to use all the key commands, what they do is if they have a computer like a desktop, they buy the magic trackpad and you can use that. Or if you have a laptop like you do, then you can use your trackpad and you can then do all the gestures with swiping and all of that stuff instead of doing all of the key commands.
2: Okay. Okay, you got me there. Now that that one I'll get along with. A lot of people uh, use, the the reason I had such a vehement response to reassigning the caps lock key is a lot of the automation nerds, um, specifically for Keyboard Maestro, all think that the best thing in the world is to reassign the caps lock key so that you can, it basically means mash down all the other keys. And Mm -hmm. I just know (laughs) <laughs> caps lock is made for to do caps lock. And I I just can't imagine I've had so many arguments with people about this. Like, how do you type something in all in all caps? I, I had to write Wonder Boom three last night about or last week, about 45 times it's all caps. How do you type that all caps without going shift w, shift o, shift and no. shift d no. shift e? Oh my gosh. No, you
1: need a caps lock. Yeah. Uh so I I like you. I have to have that caps lock key. Um in, in some instances, for sure.
2: I have, when I tell these stories, I realize that I just sometimes like to learn something that maybe not everybody else knows how to do. When I was in sixth grade, my I had the uh, Hong Kong flu and pneumonia at the same time. So I was Ooh, sick for a long time. Good. No, it wasn't. But I was laid up for a long time. My mother gave me her 1945 secretarial typing book. And an old, you know, real old fashioned typewriter back then with like before the Selectric was even invented kids. And uh, if you know what that is, and uh, I taught myself to type and I was sick so long that I started going through the book a second time learning to type with my toes. But then I got better. I just like to learn stuff. Wow.
0: That is uh, would be a sight to see. (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to see you type a blog post with your toes. That would be interesting. Yeah, I haven't tried it. And how it would you while. do the caps lock?
2: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Actually, I wonder, was there even a caps lock in those? I don't remember. Follow- I think there was. I follow know when... My
1: lead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, follow my leader. I was just going to say, and uh, and I was going to start to wrap it up and say that Follow My Leader is available on Bookshare. I've downloaded it, and this will be a book that I'm going to read in the very near future.
2: Cool. It is a young adult book, but, uh, I I liked it. it. It meant a lot to me. Uh, eventually, uh, my mother ended up going blind. And so, um, it, uh, she was, she was awesome. When she started to lose her vision, she immediately went to Braille and she, uh, uh, I remember she came home and she took all of her cookbooks and threw them in the trash. And she said they told her to do that because she says it's just going to depress you because you're not going to be able to read them anyway. So just clean it all out. So she uh, she bought a bunch of gadgets. She was a real gadget hound and and loved accessible tools. She wasn't very good at uh, tech, but she really enjoyed it. And uh, uh, I ended up going, I go to the CSUN Assistive Tech Conference every year and get to learn about all the coolest new uh tech gadgets for people with uh, n- assistive needs. And uh, I think it's really cool. You guys get all the fun stuff.
0: Yeah. I'm going to try and make it to Sun next year. I didn't get to go this year.
2: Oh, well, hang out. I do lunch every year with somebody. All right. We'll definitely Whoever, do that.
0: Whoever's up for it. I'll have to drag Michael down and we'll all go.
2: That'd be
1: cool. There we go.
0: Awesome.
2: awesome.
1: I really appreciate you jumping in with us today, and hopefully you had a little bit of fun. I'm going to let Marty wrap it up, and uh, thank you again for joining. And I'm glad to know that it was October of 2017 I first emailed you.
0: (laughs) Yep. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it and love having you on. So thank you. Thank you. And why don't you tell everyone how they can uh, find you wherever you want them to find you at?
2: Absolutely. The best place to go is podfeet.com, P-O-D-F-E-E-T.com. I designed the name of all my shows and my website to have zero SEO, uh, no search engine optimization possible. You'll never find me uh podfeet, my husband says I have feet like pods, and that's why it's called podfeet.com. But you can find me on uh mastodon at podfeet at chaos.social and uh, I don't do much on Twitter but spam people with blog posts and such. Uh but you can still find me there at podfeet. And uh as I like to say, everything good starts with podfeet.com. Awesome. Thank you so much again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having and me. I really had fun. All right,
0: everyone. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.